To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on my buddy, Kobe Owens. Uh, So Kobe and I met on a late season deer hunt this year. We were able to team up for a week or so, and I really like Kobe. He's a young go-getter that's following his passion, and his passion is capturing photos uh, uh, from behind the lens and also capturing video and he's really good about it he's just immersed himself in it to learn as much as he can to master uh, this skill set that he's in and so uh, a lot of admiration for building this life that he wants to live so we we talk about that following our passion we talk about social media a bit and just mindset and how to create a life we really want to live so uh, really like Kobe, really appreciate him coming on the podcast. I enjoyed the conversation. I know you guys will enjoy it too. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank Swagger Bipods. Uh, shooting a, a rifle accurately is all about the rest, and Swagger builds some great ones. So uh, they have mounted bipods that'll come in different heights. They do a quick detach, so you don't have to walk around with that bipod attached to your rifle. You can attach it when you get close to uh, getting that opportunity. They also have shooting stick sticks that carry a holster on your hip, so you can pop those out as you're getting a shot. And the Swagger Bipods are spring-loaded, tension-loaded, so you can spread the feet out as far as you want. Uh, You can shoot on hillsides. You can also swivel, like say you're on a bull and he starts walking to the right. Instead of picking up your rifle and moving your bipod, you can just swivel on it. Uh, So it makes for real accurate shooting, and um, like I say, shooting a rifle accurately is all about the rest, and Swagger builds some great ones. Uh, so make sure to go check those guys out over at Swagger and everything they offer, and uh, we sure appreciate the support over here. I also want to thank Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, amazing company with amazing coffee. So I'm part of their coffee subscription. Uh, I get a new bag of coffee every month, get to try their different roasts and different flavors, which I think are the best in the business. Uh, Also, their instant coffee keeps me alive through hunting season. They have an instant freeze-dried coffee that you add into boiling water, and it tastes great. It does really good with my gut. Like uh, I feel really good on the stuff. Um, It just makes for a good cup of coffee in the mountains. It's super lightweight. They also have some instant tea bags. They have other roasts, just a bunch of products, a great company, and we really appreciate their support over here at Eastman's. Uh, So if you're in the market for some coffee, make sure to go check them out. I also want to thank Matthews. Matthews uh, uh, just outdoing themselves with these bows and these builds. I got that new Matthews Phase 4 all set up. Um, Man, is that thing a shooter. Just really forgiving uh, in all these Matthews, you know, I've been using them like the last five seasons in the most extreme terrain in the lower 48, uh, Alaska and the world as well. But, um, I take it to these extreme places and that Matthews just always holds a tune really well for me. Super forgiving, getting a ton of performance out of it. That new phase four is so quiet 
And, you know, I've been trying to shoot a 300 Vegas round with my bow hunting setup for the last 10 years. My first round I shot with that new Matthews Phase 4, I shot a 300, can't remember, it was like a 21X or 22X, something like that, uh, my best ever round. So that bow is absolutely shooting for me. It's going to be a great bow for this 2023 season. Uh, can't wait to cut it loose. I'm getting it all set up. I'm going to be taking it taking it to Australia here in a couple weeks and uh, be hunting red deer and fallow deer and sandbar. Man, I'm so excited for this trip. Uh, so just getting this thing shooting as well as I can get it shooting and uh, can't wait to cut it loose. But if you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to go check these things out. Like I say, they're uh, really durable and hardy. They hold a tune really well, super forgiving, and a ton of performance. It just doesn't get much better than that. So check them out over at Matthews. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that sells absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. Uh, all the best gear. You can shop it on there. You can save 10% right now by putting in the promo code ELEVATED10. So 10% off your order. They also give points for your purchases. One point equals $1 that then you can save off future purchases. So they're a great company with great products. If you're in the market for anything new, make sure to go check them out at Black Ovis. I also want to thank Camo Fire, a great app that has a bunch of new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. There's 80 new hunting deals. You can save a pile of money on quality name brand gear that's either overstocked or uh, that they have extra of. So you can check them out at Camo Fire, download the app, and uh, save a pile of money. And with that, over at Eastman's, um, man, we're just cruising. I'm going to head over to the office here next Monday, Tuesday. So hopefully we'll record a couple podcasts and then, um, yeah, just working on things over there. Really excited about some Beyond the Grid, some video episodes that will be coming out. So we're going to work away on those. Uh, you can check out all our internet TV show Beyond the Grid episodes by searching Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube. Uh, there's probably like... Five or six of my hunts on there, maybe more, and a bunch with Dan Bacar and um, the other Eastman's crew as well. So you can check those out. Check out our magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Um, we also have a deal going on through Tag Hub right now where you get Mountain Tough Fitness, a year subscription for free for purchasing Tag Hub, which we're right in the internet we're right in the internet. We're right in tag application season, and that is our internet tag research tool called Tag Hub. You put in the promo code Brian, you'll get that free Mountain Tough subscription. Check that out. Check out our magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. And uh, yeah, man, we'll keep working away and putting out some good content. I'm working really hard to take my content to the next level, whether that's social media or the podcast or whatever it may be, is just um, trying to make it as good as I can make it. So you can check that out. You can check out social media through Eastman's Elevated. We're releasing a bunch of new content there, as well as my personal at Brian Barney. Um, so really appreciate the support, you guys. Let's get into this podcast. Uh, my buddy, Kobe Owens. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. And uh, like you said, to immerse myself in it and like fully commit to it was was one of the biggest things. You know, I, I uh, 
left college after three years, and uh, it just it just wasn't for me. Um, it, I was at Western down there in Montana, at Western Montana in Dillon, and uh, I just wasn't having a good time. Like I had a good time with my buddies, but the the whole school thing wasn't for me. So then moved back to Deer Lodge and was building houses with my dad again, and just putting every extra second I had that I wasn't working for him into my photography and looking at all these people like Stephen Drake and Craig Francis, Zach Bouton, uh, Adam Foss, big names like that, like seeing, okay, how are they attacking the game of photography in, in the environment that they're in? And then going and putting my own spin on it is the most important thing, I think, and not trying to copy what they're doing. That's the biggest thing and for finding your style and your pursuit is uh, doing it you're putting your spin on it and not trying to copy what someone else is doing. And so to have that, have my dad be so supportive if I need to go take this week off for this river trip and get this amazing imagery and have those opportunities, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without my parents. They're the most supportive people. And so to have that behind me to then put all this effort into it and then it finally pay off this year to be able to go full-time to be able to get on these trips and and book them out and have brands approach me rather than me trying to approach brands and individuals like hey let me come follow you in the woods but have the opposite side of that where brands see my work and say hey this guy is doing this we like that we want to align ourselves with that so Mm -hmm. it's amazing man yeah the 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 journey that you've had like chasing your passion creating the life you want to live man it's amazing you got to put yourself out there and it's not easy all the time and there's a lot of things to learn and the the roadmaps there by guys that were before you the guys that you idolized that 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 made that roadmap or here's the way to success but you're right and that you have to find your own voice you have to make your own journey and and even though there's a roadmap no two journeys are the same like you got to find your way uh you know through the outdoor industry or through these companies to be able to make these relationships to get these opportunities and and then you have to find your own style of photography too like you say you can't copycat photos that have already been done or try to recreate you got to find your eye for photography and and what's really separated you uh, is the same thing that has separated me it's your passion it's your love for it, your love for the game. If you don't have that, like us guys are really good at learning about stuff that we're really interested in. And when we're not interested in, like college classes or whatever it is, it doesn't excite us. It doesn't light our passion. It doesn't drive us to be better, to improve, to be at our best. But when you find something you love, man, it comes easy. Yeah. When you, like you said, when you find something you love, it's, it's not hard to go all in and, and put those endless hours in those sleepless nights just like you've been doing these last couple months to uh since our hunt together you know i've, I've seen you just working so hard to get to this next point where you're going to be taking this big step so yeah it was, it was the same for me is uh i loved it so much and i love creating imagery that takes a person to that moment in time or for you when we were on that hunt those images you're going to be able to look back on for a lifetime I remember that exact spot on that stock on that deer or as the sun set looking at that petrified log, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and that's, like you said, how we're very similar. I noticed when we were out there together, um, 
our passion for the environment that we were in and the animals that we were chasing was just like, you know, I hadn't quite seen that with someone. I mean, I'd hunted with, I, I have, but it was just next level mm-hmm. with, with you and me out there. We just, we clicked right away. Mm-hmm. We, we made a good team. And, and that's one thing that you said right off the bat is, is we're a team in this. We have to do this together. And, uh, you know, I felt like our stocks were seamless and it just clicked. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was a lot of the passion and the love for it that we, we have of you with the bow and then me with the camera right over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Uh, we shared that amazing hunt together for mule deer in this broken open country, kind of uh, uh, badland type country. And um, we just had this amazing experience. The only thing we didn't have was uh, arrow a deer on film, but boy, did we come close. And it was so much action. And you're right, our love for the country and for the game and for the mule deer and the whole deal was so cool. And as much as I appreciate the landscape, like, uh, I, I love the places I hunt, and I love wild places in the lower 48, and so I love this place, and uh, I, I've never had somebody really fall in love with the country like you did, and it shows in your photography and your videography as you had passion for it, and I found you staring at rocks maybe even more so than I was, or the landscaper appreciating it or looking at the sunset, go, man, isn't that killer? Like, wow, you know, it's really showing off tonight or whatever the case is, but... Um, yeah man that was an amazing hunt man if i could do it all over again tomorrow i'd i'd do it all over again with the same results that was a wild one yeah take me back there i mean that was one of the most challenging things like i've ever done is trying to document a top tier hunter in the most um, one of the most amazing environments i've ever been in and that's that's hard to say coming from the montana mountains that i grew up in that this Badland country was off the charts. Like trying to document you existing in that and chasing something that you love really challenged me. But that's why the imagery came out so good. Is it was such a challenge, and it I love challenges mm-hmm. like that. And in conquering that challenge was mm-hmm. just it felt so awesome. And uh, yeah, when we we got back from that and I got into my editing cave and started putting edits on it, I was sending you over picture by picture. You know, normally I don't do that. I I wait and deliver them all at once. But I remember sending you a couple like, dude, you got to check this out. Look how this turned out because I was I was so happy with how it turned out. And and sometimes I don't exactly remember on this hunt, uh, but sometimes you look at the images you take on your camera and you're like ah oh, that, that might be all right and you get into post and it's just like wow i i did better than i thought i did and uh yeah that landscape that hunt uh, hopefully we get to do it next year yeah if we will we'll we'll go somewhere next year oh, for yeah. sure uh no wild imagery uh photos are absolutely next level like the some of the best i've ever seen and i think the difference was the passion like you're talking about the difference was is that uh uh, you were loving the challenge of it, the hard work, the miles, the effort we were putting in. You embraced the team, and we were all in. We put everything into that hunt. There wasn't a day that we took a backseat or an easy way out. It was like any time there was a chance, we tried to give ourselves a chance. But you were in the whole time, and, and your photography shows you weren't in for the money or a day rate. Or, you were in to capture the best images you could capture, to capture the best video you could capture, to try to kill a deer on film. Like, you were in it, and it made all the difference in the world. I can't believe we didn't kill one over there, but oh. it's so fun. Yeah. Another thing that really uh, 
is interesting is I remember when we were driving over there, you're like, hey, I got this lens. It's a 24 to 240 f 3.5 to 5.6. Uh, you, you could use it if you'd like. And I, at that point, I had both my camera bodies. I run Sony a7IVs, two of them. And typically, I run a 24 to 70 and then a long lens. My, I have a Sigma 150 to 600. Sometimes I use that lens, but it's also a nine-pound lens. So I knew in this instance it wasn't going to work because the amount of miles we were going to put on and sometimes how long it, it took to set that up and, and get it stable. So the first day, I ran two cameras, the 24 to 70 and then my little 51.8. And then that second day, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll try that lens out, you know, and see. And I still ran two cameras that day, and I remember not really using my other camera that much and using that 24 to 240 a lot. And then day three, I ditched the other camera, and I put those SIG image stabilizing binos on my chest in my FHF gear chest pack and then ran my uh, camera with that 24 to 240 on my cotton carry on my, my left strap. And... I documented that entire, pretty much that entire hunt off that lens that I borrowed from you on my Sony and then was using those amazing SIG binos. So that's something that really stands out to me because I ran two cameras on every other hunt, but this hunt was seamless to run one camera on, and that's kind of wild to me with, with how I've been doing things. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, well, and it's... um. The hunt called for it. Like you said, the miles we put on. We had some long hikes in the dark and uh, getting back to the truck and things. But, um, yeah, it you know it works good because it's a good all-around where you can get your interviews and you can get shots of the deer and still get a decent zoom. Like, you can kind of get all of it. But, um, yeah, to have a master like you take over that lens and get me some of those killer images was pretty wild. It just gave you a lot of versatility, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was perfect for bow hunting in my opinion because you have that wide angle 24 millimeters of you knocking your arrow and and me zooming in as you're drawing back and then we're at 240 millimeters on that deer tight uh or as tight as it can be depending on the range Mm -hmm. but yeah that versatility of being like you knocking your arrow and then in that same seamless video you know zooming in on the deer to get that kill shot Mm -hmm. uh that that was awesome i'm actually going to order that lens it's not that expensive of Mm -hmm. a lens either is a thing uh one thing i preach is putting good glass on a badass body like the sony a7 IV i'm gonna step up to that a7 IV after (sighs) going with you yeah 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 good decision but yeah putting good glass on your camera is important it's like putting uh low-end rifle scope on an awesome rifle is my comparison that I use. So that lens isn't necessarily top tier, but man, it got the job done and I was impressed with the imagery that came out of it. So yeah, it's something I'm going to move to using here Mm -hmm. this next year. And and I've never used a two times teleconverter, but I'm going to play with that a little bit on this to to see what that does because it jumps your initial aperture up a couple stops, but it'd be like a 48 to 480 mm-hmm. then so i'm gonna i'm gonna play with that a little bit this year mm-hmm. and, and see what that does no idea yet because mm-hmm. i've never used a two times converter but that 24 240 is going in the arsenal man that's killer that two times um uh that doubler does um it fits right onto the sony body and then fits onto the camera pretty seamlessly yeah yeah so 
It's just an adapter. Um, it's a two times double, or you can get a one and a half okay. times, I believe. And like I said, not very familiar with them at all, but it's something I'm going to look to uh, implement this year. Just uh, I know that you can sh the camera can struggle to focus or get that focus because there's more space in between your sensor and the glass. Okay. Um, but it's just something I've never played around with, and it's it's lightweight, and so to be able to throw that on and get a little bit tighter animal footage or something is something that uh, interests me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, well, another big part of videography in the outdoors is um, uh, hunting skills as well. Like uh, it, it paid dividends to have you have so much experience hunting and have the love for hunting like you do photography. And so you spotted a lot of the bucks we went for. Like you were pretty good behind the sick binos that you're talking about. So uh, it's, it's a real asset when um, we are a team and you are glassing as well. And, you know, that was tough country to hunt because we almost had to hunt through a lot of it. We couldn't sit on a master vantage point and pick it apart because you can't see every fold, every hillside, every ridge line. And so what we'd have to do is kind of use like a mobile vantage point where we'd kind of not really still hunt super slow, but hunting the whole way in as we're hiking. We're looking at every little opening and every new view we get. We really dissect the country. And if we do get like some sort of a master vantage, then we sit down for 5, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30, whatever it is. Is we pick the country apart, uh, but a lot of that country was moving through it, and you have to see those deer before they see you. And the distance was, you know, anywhere from 100 yards to 500 yards. And those deer were so switched on. It's like if you exposed yourself and moved any little bit, those bucks would catch you. You wouldn't get a stock. They'd bust out, and it was done. And so uh, we really had to dial in. And there's two of us moving through country as well. And so we really had to dial in. But you were a huge asset being able to have those binos and have such hunting skill and be part of that hunt. And then stalking in, you also had to do everything I had to do. You had to be quieter than I am. Or as quiet as I am, uh, you had to watch your movement and then get them on film. Like, man, and being a cameraman, you got just as much pressure as I do trying to capture that thing. Yeah, essentially, I'm trying to to kill it as you're trying to kill it in a way. You know, I got to get that camera on it uh, while you're trying to get the arrow in it. But yeah, hunting was my first love before I picked up a camera for sure. You know, uh, my dad taught me how to hunt uh, growing up in Western Montana in Deer Lodge there. Uh, I hunted from a young age before I even picked up a camera. So then uh, bringing the camera into it later was was something that Stephen Drake inspired me. Uh, you know, I saw an image of his, and it was just like, whoa, I can combine hunting and photography, two things that I'm passionate about. Because I started out doing, like, landscape photography, capturing the beautiful scene of Montana. So, yeah, to have that hunting background and be able to help you find those deer uh like you said it was it was true teamwork and and uh that was necessary in this landscape because we'd pick our morning master vantage for like right when the sun came up to to be there but it didn't work out like that like you said we had to keep working down the ridge that next vantage to that next vantage that next one and trying to pick them out as they uh showed up and like you said they were switched on I mean, we got busted at like 800 yards on that one. Oh, it was just that big like, one. what? Oh. Switched on like I've never yeah. seen mule deer switched yeah. on in my life. Yeah, I made a mistake on a big buck. It was the, I think maybe the first one we got a chance at, maybe the first day. 
Yeah, it yeah. was. And it was a big buck that I had found in velvet and chased. The biggest buck I chased all year long. And we found him as a hardhorn, and he was in a good spot. But we were low on light. And um, I made a judgment call. It was my mistake. And I, I tried to take the draw right at him. And we were concealed down the draw, but then it got fairly open. But we were so far across from this deer. I mean, we're you know, over a half a mile, approaching a mile away from this thing, you know, 800 yards is a half a mile or what is it? 400 yards is a half a mile. So yeah, we had to be a mile away from this thing. And I exposed us. I, I walked us through the opening instead of taking the tougher route, dropping in the bottom, being concealed. You know, we had this limited amount of time trying to make a play in the evening. He's in a good spot with another buck. And so uh, we were kind of rushing down and I look and that deer has us picked off from a mile away 800 yards across the hillside had us pegged and once he had us pegged he stared in our direction we froze and it was an older age class deep fork heavy buck and uh he just knew better he uh he got the heck out of there and i think he hung around as dan got to chase him down in there but that was our one shot at him and man i screwed up that one yeah but uh one of the things that stuck out to me most hunting with you was your ability to spot that deer, uh, label it as a shooter, and then pick out that exact spot where it was and completely lose sight of that spot on the hillside and navigate your way through the terrain and pop up within bow range of it. You know, a couple of the times falling from behind, I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is quite right. You know, like in my head, I'm like, I think that we need to be a little bit over here. But sure enough, that buck would be right where you said it was. That, that to me was one of the things that stood out the most with hunting with you. So that was that first day we made that big mistake, but I think that set the tone for the trip. Okay, we need to be careful when we're closing the distance. Yeah, well, and so much of these things is adapting to the conditions you're given. You know, most of the time I feel like I can get away with that. I thought we'd be okay. We weren't, but then we learn our lesson and go, man, we're really going to have to be on our game to get close. We're going to have to be ultra precise. And uh, you're right that such a big part of it is um, when you're spotting stalking is finding that location across the hillside. And this place was extremely difficult because there's so many folds and they all look the same and there, you know, hundreds of canyons. And so like trying to find that exact position of that buck, uh, you know, it takes this skill set and I've just done it long enough. But some of my tricks are like taking picture of the hillside before I leave so I can remember what it looks like, remember where that buck was. So if I get lost, I can do it. Uh, marking it on our on X, trying to mark a pin exactly where we thought the buck was. So if we ever got lost, we could look back at that pin and then you know i just been doing it for a long time where got this photographic memory or i make this uh plan of how we're going to get over there and find that buck but it's only because i've messed up so many stocks in the past (laughs) and where they're at that you know it burns you so you get pretty good at figuring out where they're at but you're a huge part of it as well because um like say we're hunting in a team and so when i'm gonna make a play or when i'm gonna do something i ask your advice or what you think on it you know, it's um, it isn't a dictatorship like uh, it's a democracy where we vote because we are a team trying to kill that deer. And so uh, you had great input every time. But then I would ask you as we get over there, if I felt uneasy, you know, hey, this is right. Right. This is this hillside that wraps up this way or comes over the top. And you go, Yeah, yeah, that's it. He was right over there. And then you get your two cents in and your photographic uh, memory of what that looked like or where we're at. 
but it, it's a huge deal when you're hunting in a, a, a partnership like that is to get input, you know, valid input from both parties and then try to work our way through it. But, um, man, that was a wild adventure. Yeah. What a time that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we um, the 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 good one was that last buck we stalked that jumped the string or whatever. We had that one dead to rights, forty yards. We had our film made, and um, man, that thing was just quicker what a than ninja. Me. Oh man, just ninja stuff it pulled on you. I mean, we got a little bit antsy on it though. We we had it bedded and and then we couldn't see it behind that tree, so we moved around the hillside to try and, and get another vantage of it. And then it was gone, so we moved back to where we were, and yeah, there it was, walking 40 yards right below us, and you gave it a grunt, pulled back, I got the camera on it, and I mean, it was as the cams were moving forward, it was gone. Yep, yep. Gosh, one out of three or one out of four will jump my string, and um, that happened to be the one out of four, and that was the one we really needed to hold still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that was it. Yeah, but um, so fun, man. It's fun to share these adventures. Um, uh, where do you get your, like, uh, uh, grit from, like, to to be able to be tough? Like, um, you know, I've had a lot of cameramen come with me, and um, not all of them have fun on an experience like that. Like, where do you get your grit from to continue to have a good attitude and push on a hunt like that? Um, I think a couple different things. One, growing up working for my dad, uh, building houses, carpentry work, that's hard work, especially in the summer. It's hot out. It's, it's not necessarily fun, a lot of the stuff you do. You enjoy it. I mean, you know, you do it yourself. But And then another thing is probably playing football growing up a little bit, uh, two-a-days, getting through that, getting your butt chewed out. So I think think a little bit of that. And then also just my own failures in the woods and going through many experiences, riding out bad storms in the backcountry uh, on raft trips. Um, so I think it's a combination of probably those three, three things. Yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah, you had a ton of grit. Um, well, and the, the deal is too, it's like being in a good headspace, like enjoying your time out there. It's a type two fun and you have to work really hard. We did, you know, I don't know what we averaged it per day, maybe around 10 miles or a bunch of elevation, but you know, we crushed the miles and elevation and we're going hard every day. It's not fun all the time, but, um, you know, you had a good attitude throughout. It's like that so much of life is just like your attitude and approach of things, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't come into it with a good mindset you're not going to have a good time so coming in with that initial mindset is a big deal in my opinion you got to get in the right headspace before you get out there and then while you're out there even when you're going through these failures you have to think about it as like next play next play you know that was one of the big things that growing up playing sports basketball and, and football and such uh i felt like i was kind of always the the glue of the team, the, the good attitude that tried to hold people together. And so I've, I've always had that, uh, a good head on my shoulders per se, uh, to keep those around me in the right headspace. So I think that helps keep myself in the right headspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's, um, body goes where the, uh, mind decides, you know, it's like, uh, you make up your mind and, um, you just go for it, but yeah, you kept a good attitude throughout. And I, I think that, um, helps you too, like in your photography career, like trying to build a career out of this, 
you have setbacks and you have failures or you didn't book this job, you know, but you did book this job and I'm going to give it my all and this is how I'm going to make a better name for myself or I'm going to go on this next hunt or I'm going to go capture this. But I think it's in life too. We have to have such a resilient attitude because it doesn't come right away or as quick as we want sometimes. Sometimes you have to grind and have to work at it before uh, you know, that comes, the success comes. And so um, I think it applies to everything in life, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely being uh, a younger photographer, you know, a couple of years ago uh, and wanting to be in a place that I wasn't, you know, wanting to be more successful, wanting jobs from companies, uh, you know, that want without having put in the work. But then just you got to keep going, just keep going. So this last year hit two years uh, honestly, but especially this last year, it stood out to me the amount of time and effort I've, I've put into it. And then to look back and be like, wow, that's where I was a year ago and I'm here now. Like, that's kind of crazy to me. So to just keep going and pushing is, is a big deal too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, progression of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it takes spending time doing it to get good at it. You know, the 10,000 hours or the really working with it. But where you put your effort in, too, is just learning your camera inside and out. Again, it's like that passion, like spending time to know all those features. Like I learned a ton about photography and my camera and uh, uh, videography and asking you questions like you're uh, you have such a, a huge knowledge base in such a short amount of time because that's what you think about. That's what you spend your time doing. That's what you you're working towards. Yeah, I remember when I was taking the hunting photographer from Zach Bouton and Stephen Drake, one of the one of the things that they emphasized on is and that I now emphasize to younger photographers is you need to be able to run your camera without looking at it. You need to know you need to have your camera customized to your liking and be able to change the settings on the fly because you only get one shot. Hunting is high pressure. Hunting is way higher pressure than shooting a wedding in my opinion. Like you are out there, things happen fast, so you have to be able to change on the fly. So creating that knowledge base back in the day and, and consistently shooting and seeing what works and doesn't work and changing that to set yourself up for success when you come along and hire me to come on this hunt or uh, on the elk film that I did this year, getting hired for that and you have to be able to succeed for your client, and uh, that just comes back to those previous years of building that knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's scary doing things you haven't done before, isn't it? Or it's it's scary taking on these big challenges. Like if you can remember back your first hunt you filmed, uh, or even my first house I built, or the you know the first hunt I went on, whatever the case is. Um, you know, and it's not pretending or it's not fake it till you make it, but it almost is in a sense, like you're trying to figure it out as you go along and, and you're trying to like, all you can do in that position when you're taking on something new is come in with a good attitude, try to give full effort, do the best job you can, but it, it takes a while before you get this self-confidence and self-belief in yourself. So in turn for a while, you kind of are faking it. Like, you know, it inside and out and you know, you can do a good job. You have this self-confidence, but you've never been there before, and you don't quite know what to expect. Uh, that that can be scary at times, right? With uh, uh, filming new guys, or when you started filming these hunts, or just knowing what to expect on them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually used to to kind of 
not like that saying, fake it till you make it. You're right. You know, I don't like it either. It's not the right way to put it because you're not necessarily faking it, but you have to, like, this last summer, I turned down two jobs from really big name people in the hunting industry because I said, no, I'm not your guy. I can't, I can't do this for you. I didn't want to set myself up for failure. So those two jobs that I turned down in sense were big eye openers to me. Like, okay, I got to get the video side of stuff figured out more. Um, so then I just started becoming a yes man. Like, okay, I started understanding my camera and videoing better, but then I just started saying yes to projects. And, and uh, the photography side of things was my backing for that because I was going to be able to create this imagery for people. But then to the only way I was going to learn was by, is by failure, right? Getting out in the field and doing it, getting out and practicing. So saying yes to all these films, uh, you know, prior to years, well, the first one I did was my Utah archery deer film that I put out. And, uh, excuse me. Uh, when can I, guys watch that on your channel? Yes. Yeah, yeah they can. So uh, you can find that through my, my link in my Instagram. My Instagram is Kobe.Owens, K-O-B-Y. Or you can look up Kobe Owens uh, on YouTube. It's called Chasing Velvet Utah Archery Deer Hunt. Uh, and then also another film I put out this year was uh, or I did the film field work for I I didn't do the editing uh for it but it's 20 years in a sun and that actually premiered at the Badlands Film Festival at ATA show and and uh blessings it got third place I I can't believe it it was a it's an amazing story I'm very thankful to have been a part of that but I wouldn't have been a part of that if I wouldn't have said yes to it you know and I didn't necessarily know if I could or couldn't do it going into it but I I I uh, had that mindset that I could, you know, I didn't have that mindset like, oh, I I don't want to mess up. It's like, yeah, I got this. I can do this. So like I said, you have to have that yes man attitude going into it, but also like a little bit of failure isn't going to hurt you. That's only going to make you better. In that deer film, I I didn't get the kill shot because of some circumstances that happened. Uh, and, And that's a vital part of a lot of films. But also showing just the what went into it and the time on the mountain that was had and the camaraderie is a big part of it too so it it turned out awesome I'm I'm proud of it but uh like I said that yes man attitude and then like failure it sucks but like that's how you get better it's how you learn yeah well and um you have to go outside your comfort level to achieve anything in life. I remember when I first started the podcast, I'm all self-taught. I remember just trying to, you know, and it was seven, eight years ago. So there wasn't the uh, the literature that there is now about it. There wasn't the equipment or you couldn't figure out what to use. So it's the same way where it's just diving into YouTubes and figuring out what to get and best way to record and getting the stuff and then practicing and knowing my stuff inside now. And, and I remember Eastman's took me on a podcast tour where we went to all these big 
companies and uh, we did podcasts with all these giant companies with CEOs and really outside my comfort level. And I mean, heck, my microphone just showed up in the mail a handful of days ago or, you know, I just started the podcast a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to talk next level hunting. But all of a sudden I'm thrown into this place where I'm not very comfortable. But all you can do is have confidence, like put your time in to know your equipment, know it's going to work right. And, and you are going to fail. Like I've missed recordings in the past. And I've had to call people and go, Hey, that didn't record or, Hey, I didn't get that. And it can just be the, the simplest mistake of having a, a video plugged into the computer. And all of a sudden it took the audio off that video camera instead of the, like, there's all these nuances to it. There's so many ways to make a mistake, you know, but you just have to work your way through that. And sometimes I have to swallow my pride and say, hey, I messed up. I didn't get the recording. Can you jump back on with me and get this thing? And it hasn't happened for a long time, uh, knock on wood. But, um, yeah, it takes a while. And you have to just, like, put yourself uh, uh, in uncomfortable situations. And that's hunting, photography. Uh, that's your, your business. That's whatever it is. It's like... That's where we grow is in these uncomfortable situations where we really challenge ourselves. And in the end, you can figure anything out. In the end, you can make something out of it. And in turn, once you learn it wholeheartedly, and once you've done it a handful of times, you start to gain confidence, which I am skilled. I am a good bow hunter. I am a good podcaster. I am a good videographer. Like you start to get confidence in yourself. And once you get that confidence, it makes it easier to sell yourself. It makes it easier to talk to these people, to walk around head held high. Like you know your craft now, and that's a good feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like what you just said there at the end is, uh, yeah, walking around with your head held high. So, you know, last year I came to this hunt expo and I didn't, as first expo I ever been to, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just coming around to look at people, chat with people. And, and I actually ended up helping out, uh, Alpenfield who I work closely with because it was their first expo as well. And, and they got slammed and they, and they needed help. So I was thankful for that. Uh, but I, I came around and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm Kobe, you know, and I, I do this, but this year it's a whole different approach because, uh, I, where I am now compared to last year, this year I'm coming in and, and approaching brands as, Hey, here's my work. This is what I can do for you. This is how I can help you. And, uh, this is the imagery I can create for you. So it's about evolving too. You have to evolve. You can't stay stagnant. You're not going anywhere if you do that. And how you do that is by taking opportunity. You have to know when the right opportunities are and, and when to take them. But also, you're going to take opportunities that aren't the right ones. And you just have to realize that and either remove yourself from the situation or keep going and, and get to a point where, where you can remove yourself from the situation. But taking opportunity is one of the biggest things and that's why i am where i am is because i've taken all these opportunities and ran with them mm -hmm. yeah i like um what you said about evolution too like um continuing to grow like uh whatever it is in life you have to be a student of the game you have to learn from people around you and then be able to implement it in your own game plan uh, you have to learn and continue to learn. Like you can't rest on your laurels. I can't kill a big buck and go, yeah, I'm a great bow hunter. Uh, I don't really need to work that hard at shooting my bow. I killed that great buck last year. I'll kill another great buck next year. It doesn't work that way. You got to forget the successes or like, yeah, it was great. It was this wild experience. But now I got to go back to work to go achieve that.
that again, or I've got to continue to evolve my game, evolve my skill sets to be better on the next hunt. So the next time we go to a Badlands-type country and try to put a film together, I put an arrow in a trophy buck, and we complete the film. Like, i got to keep evolving, keep working hard towards my goals. But you're right. You can't plateau or, or you can't rest on your laurels of what, or what you've already achieved. You've got to continue to move it forward. Yeah, because if you're not, the next 10 guys right next to you are, and they're bringing the heat, and you're here at the same spot you were last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, and same thing with my photography and videography. Yeah, I've, I've got a, you know, I, I don't always have the luxury of having a, an A-plus cameraman with me to capture all those amazing images uh, that, you know, I need to keep progressing my knowledge and um, uh, keep keep putting out good products, keep doing it. Like, experience is the best teacher if you pay attention to it. So when I don't have a cameraman, I still get some killer images and video and things. And so, uh, yeah, that's part of my game. I need to continue to evolve as well. Yeah, right on. Yeah, man. Um, it was cool to learn from you over there, though. Uh, you know uh that sony like the back of your hand so um so cool to pick your guys's brain on things and um you know it's so much information it's drinking from a fire hose um <laughs> but it, it's also like to just ask the pertinent questions of the stuff that pertains to what i'm doing and and ask you a question get the answer and then be able to implement it in my knowledge base of that camera because it's almost too much information in a trip like that but i'm able to pick up five six things that really help me out you know yeah you were very inquisitive on a lot of stuff i was doing here why are you doing it this way instead of that way um i love helping other photographers i i help so many young photographers all the time now it's it's wild how much how many people reach out to me uh via social media and and ask for help on this or that um and it's it's kind of wild because you know i was that guy and i I still am that guy that reaches out to the these big photographers asking stuff but it's wild to me that you know i'm I'm at this point in life where i'm I'm helping all these young up-and-comers i mean i still am a young up-and-comer in my mind Mm -hmm. but uh to help others with photography i'm very passionate about like taking imagery but i'm very passionate about helping you or the next guy here get to that next level with their photography yeah that's a beautiful thing um how do you wrap your brain around um uh not building up your competition or uh, uh like you're you're helping these guys that eventually will be your competition for photography. So how do you wrap your mind around that about being a good mentor and helping people out, uh, but but also not getting caught up in your self-ego that you are building your competition, that um, you shouldn't be helping people, that you should keep this information you work so hard for to yourself to create these great images. How do you approach that? You know, I, I don't necessarily look at them at competition at all, I think is part of it. I... I want them to succeed. You know, I have a lot of photography buddies. Like right now I'm here at the expo with five other photographers. We got an Airbnb. We're all sharing ideas. We're all in the hunt space and we all want, we all want each other to succeed. So I think it's my passion for others to succeed as as well. I, I, you know, my work's my work. I'm not worried about someone. If someone tries to copy my work, then they're already failing. So I guess I'm just not worried about it because I'm going to create what I'm going to create and the images that I come up with and how I see things are different than the next guy. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really worried about the competition of things because if uh, they get hired 
by the brand that I'm going after, that brand is obviously doesn't align with, with my views and what I'm trying to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah, you can't look at the world as a place of scarcity. Uh, um, you got to look at it as a, a community and, and uh, had mentors when I was growing up and you've had mentors and um, yeah, it is about helping the community. Same thing with my hunting. I've worked so hard to gain the knowledge I have, and I openly share and try to help anybody that asks me. And, and part of it's like self-confidence, like uh, what you have in your photography and your videography. You know that you put out a superior product, and you know that you have worked long and hard to build your skill set to where it is, and you're an asset to these companies. So if these companies hire you, they're going to get a, a huge benefit. And if they don't choose you or they choose choose another photographer like you say it's not the right mix for you or not the right job for you and i i think the same way in hunting is i think i've worked so hard for the skill set that i have and i continue to evolve that i share information and want to see other people succeed and have success uh i also know that i'm i'm working tirelessly to improve my own game and i don't see it as competition i don't see it that some guy's going to kill a buck that i'm after uh you know i see it as um uh it's very difficult to master and if somebody wants to master it they're going to have to put the same time and energy and thought that i have into it so the really it's up to them it's not up to me i just put out the information and try to help and it feels good to think about things that way to not think about it as competition or because then you start this comparison and comparison is the thief of all happiness is you start looking what uh, some job that some other guy got and why didn't i get that job i'm a better photographer you're thinking that in your brain or not saying that you do but i'm just giving an example uh but when you start comparing yourself there's a lot of great hunters that work really hard out there and if i look at a hunter and i look and i go man he killed that great buck i should kill a buck like that how did he do that you know i you know think that i'm a better bow hunter that i deserve it more it's just the wrong way to look at life and that will not get you far in life because you're going to spend too much time worried about other people not worried about yourself and progressing your own knowledge instead like you 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 want to see other people succeed and when you see a successful harvest photo you go man, that guy must have worked hard for that thing. He must have earned that thing. That is rough, rugged country. And boy, was he clutch to hold it together and make that shot. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Like, I'm happy for his success because I know what he's put in that, into that. And that goes for younger hunters, experienced hunters. So it's just like a way you look at the world, isn't it? Yeah. So having that mindset that you just described, isn't that such a better feeling than jealousy? Jealousy is, is sickening in, in a way. So you can ask, going a little bit back, you can ask all the questions you want and get all the knowledge from you or me on the subject that you want. But if you're not putting in the work to implement those tips and tricks and stuff that you've gained, then you're, you're not going to go anywhere. You can, you can have that knowledge, but if you're not working hard to implement it, yeah, it's, it's not going to take you anywhere. Yeah, you have to put in the work. You have to apply it. There's so much great knowledge out there, but you have to want it yourself and put in the work, put in the hours to master it. And so you can ask a question and maybe you found an answer a little bit easier than you would have found trying to research it on your own. Or or it's um it's nice to be able to reach out to somebody that you truly respect, that you admire, and be able to get an answer for them because you know they have more experience in the business or you know that they're really good bow hunters and you want to see how they'd handle that situation and, and learn from it. So I'm able to learn from guys 
guys all around me. I'm able to learn from you. I'm able to learn from, from everybody I have on the podcast and implement that in my game. Uh, so, so why wouldn't I share that out to the world and, and cheer for everybody else's success? And you're right. It feels so much better than that jealousy feeling of you should have had this or you're better than that. Uh, that comparison, that jealousy, it, it is a, a sickness, and it's a sickness in the way you think. And if you do think that way, I just don't think you get very far in life. You're too stuck worrying about other people instead of worrying about yourself. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and well and it's easy and you see it with people too. You see, you know, maybe not to that extreme, but you do see negative voices creep into people's heads where, you know, they might see a photo and um uh go, "Well, yeah, but he killed it with a rifle." Or, "Yeah, but he did this." Or, "Yeah, but he he had a a great photo job that he lined up for this company. He had the opportunity." Like it's really easy to make these excuses and kind of cut people down. Instead of looking at it and going, man, he worked really hard, or man, he got that great job for that company, and it's just like this this way better, cleaner way of thinking. Uh, it's just a better headspace to be in, and in turn, you get way further in the field that you're looking into or in, in life in general. Oh, yeah. 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 Man, I bet you see it with photographers too, the right attitude and the wrong attitude. I bet it's both out there because it takes all type and uh, all types in, in all these fields. Yeah. Uh, and, and lucky for me, I only want to see the, the good of that. So yeah. I don't see a whole lot of, of the negative because I, I ch- I'm selective in, on who I'm following on social media. That is huge right there. Who you follow on social media can set your mindset and your, your attitude, especially in this day and age with, with how much time people spend on social media. If you're not following the right person and you have some negative influences – that you're you're watching or they're creeping into your mind that creeps in and has more of an effect on you than you realize so following the right people hanging out with the right people and like your buddies out. right yep exactly i'm hanging out with dudes who are ballers in my mind because a their attitude i mean their imagery is awesome of course like and the funny thing is is, is we have some comparisons well, will you shoot this way and, and do that to get this image um, and I might get a similar image, but I'm doing it a completely different way. Or, you know, Logan's shooting on Canon, I'm shooting on so- Sony, and, and he shoots a lot more bright and blown out, and I shoot a little more darker and, and vivid. And uh, our styles are so completely different, but we're in these landscapes still trying to capture the same thing. You know, it's like the, the saying, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat, Right. There's, it's the same way with taking an image and portraying what you saw with your eye because you see things differently than the person next to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one thing I, I feel like I have going for me is, is my eye in photography. Um, I, I feel like I've always just had it for some reason. I don't know how to explain it, but, like, my basis of photography used to be landscape. I, I need to actually get back to my base a little bit more and shoot some more landscape stuff. Uh, here in the future but my vision was always to share the beauty of the state of Montana with people who are not fortunate enough to see it that that was one of the reasons I picked up a camera in 2014-15 somewhere back then Um, you know I know that there's people that never leave a mile of their house in like New York City and so they're not gaining perspective 
me going out into a new spot in Montana to try and shoot sunset in a reflection of a lake or the Milky Way in a reflection of a lake or the Milky Way behind this tree is, is giving me a new perspective on how I want to take an image or how I see things in life even. So perspective is huge. So true. Yeah, your Milky Way shots are next level, man. I mean, I basically learned how to take pictures at night before the day in a way. You know, I, when I, when my hook of photography was I was messing around with my mom's Canon Rebel back in the day on a tripod at my hunting cabin, just trying to take some star pictures and, and uh, just, I don't know, I loved cameras growing up, like the little disposable ones, but I, I didn't have a digital one. And I looked to the north, I'm like, oh, man, that's the Milky, or not the Milky Way, that is the Northern Lights. I'm going to try and take a picture of that. And I took this awesome image of the, the northern lights, and that just hooked me right there. And so I kept going out and trying to take pictures of the stars. So to do that, I had to be in complete manual settings on my camera. And that is one of the biggest things If starting out is you need to shoot in manual. You need to understand ISO, aperture, shutter speed, white balance, and how those affect an image, not just lighting-wise, because they have a lot more of an effect than just lighting it has an effective focus or you know i'm running a 10 to 15 second shutter speed to capture the milky way so i got super engulfed on trying to capture the stars and the milky way and it, it took me years to get the good images that you're now seeing and to understand how to shoot for post how to shoot for my edit so there we go again it all comes into the time that you're putting into it to get to where you want to be mm-hmm Man, that's absolutely it. Yeah. Well, and, um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, uh, those iPhones will take pretty good pictures too, and it's just the eye for it. Like you say, you have the eye for photography. Like uh, uh, no matter what camera you have in your hand, you're capturing good images. But even for guys that are listening that are just hunters, uh, that just want to capture pieces of their hunt, the more pictures you can take, the better. And if all you have is an iPhone, like you take pictures with that throughout the hunt to remember it. It is capturing that good lighting, and you can still take some amazing photos and videos through iPhone and capture your hunt to be able to look back on. It's just pulling it out of your pocket, snapping pictures. Yeah, especially in this day and age, iPhones are incredible. I always tell people the best camera is the one you have in your hand, or the best, or the best camera is the one that you're going to use. Uh, you know, I get asked all the time, "Hey, what is the best camera?" And that's it. And then I, I get asked, like, "What camera do I need to buy?" Well. There's no universal question or answer for that question. It depends on your budget and what you're looking to do with it. And so, you know, I get asked all the time, what camera should I buy? Well, like, well, what's your budget? What are you going to do with it? So there's, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And that's the same thing with life. There's a lot of factors that go into getting to where I am. Well, I went at it this way or that way. So, Man, it's so true. Well, dude, you're the man. You're so talented behind the lens and, um, yeah, so happy for your success. And um, I just can't wait to team up again and um, capture one of these hunts. So, yeah, we'll, um, we'll definitely stay in touch. And, man, thanks so much for joining me. Heck, yeah. This was an awesome experience to be here at this expo with, like, it's, it grows every year. But, you know, this is what we're passionate about. This is our life right now. And, and so to be here in this podcast booth with you is it's pretty special for me, you know. Uh, it's it's hard to believe too. Actually, it's uh, 
yeah. Super cool, man. You're killing it. Appreciate Keep up the it. good work. Yeah, right on. Good Kay. stuff. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Fun conversation with Kobe. Uh, really like him. Just a young go-getter that's following his passion, building a life he wants to live. Man, that's what it's all about. Uh, really proud of that guy and uh, happy for him. And uh, no doubt he has a bright future. Uh, so talented behind the lens. And um, such a great attitude, too. It's like really fun to team up with him on that hunt. So uh, make sure to go check him out. Kobe Owens, check out his social media. He's just got some great photos and things and some... Uh, some good projects coming up. So um, really excited to team up with them again on another hunt. Uh, like I say, the the images and video that I got from that hunt were just incredible. So uh, thanks again to him. Thanks again to our sponsors. Uh, I want to thank Matthews Bows. That new Phase 4 is an absolute shooter. So pumped with that thing. Uh, got it just shooting lights out. So a uh, great mountain bow. If you're in the market, just go shoot one. See if it fits you and um, see if you like it. Uh, also want to thank our other sponsors, want to thank Swagger Bipods. Again, shooting a rifle accurately is all about the rest, and Swagger builds some great ones, whether it's bipods or shooting sticks. And um, also Black Rifle Coffee Company, the best instant coffee made. Uh, my body reacts really well to it, so I don't get a gut ache on it or anything like that. It's actual freeze-dried coffee that you add to your water. They also have tea bags that are really good, and then you can get part of their subscription where you get a new coffee roast every month, which I'm a part of, which I really enjoy. And they also have other things for sale. And then such great apparel hats and T-shirts and things. So I have some of those that I'm definitely wearing all the time. So thanks to those guys for their support. Thanks to Black. Ovis internet retail shop get absolutely everything you need all the top name brands as well as their own name brand check those guys out and then camo fire as well with a bunch of um great savings in there 80 new hunting deals every 24 hours you'd save a pile of money there uh, thanks to Eastman's for their support of the podcast and everything that I do. I really appreciate that. Appreciate all the projects, the writing, the filming, things of that nature. And we do have a big film that's going to come up. Um, just teasing it, but it's like Life of a Bow Hunter. It's um, basically my life as far as construction and podcast and then balancing that with family and um, also some great hunts in there. So I can't wait to see this come together. I'm going to go meet next week and we're going to do some meetings over the film. So really excited to um, put this thing together. And um, so some really cool projects. And um, thanks to you guys for the support of the podcast, uh, support of social media. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, support of the guests that we have on the podcast. So just trying to do my absolute best to bring you guys that next level hunting information so we can all be successful this season. Uh, got some great adventures coming up. I've been applying for tags. Hoping I get lucky there, lining up some hunts for this 2023 season, and then I'm so pumped up. Going to go hang with my two really good buddies, Craig and Josh from Australia, and um, going to go hunt red deer during the roar, fallow deer during the croak. Might get a chance to hunt sandbar and some pigs down there, but just really excited uh, to go walk around in a in a new place on planet Earth with, with my bow and arrow. And like I say, my two really good buddies down there. Um, I'm going to hang out and um, have some laughs and do some bow hunting. So um, 
It's unreal to be able to go on a, a trip like this. And um, like I say, those two guys are really treating me down there and, and making it affordable for me, uh, you know, picking me up at the airport. And um, they got some good spots for me lined up to go hunt and uh, uh, just couldn't be more appreciative of the opportunity and the experience I'm about to go have. So uh, gonna head down there, try not to get bit by a brown snake or spider and, um, cut these legs loose and go do some bow hunting action for some species that I've never hunted and some species that I've never harvested. Uh, so it's going to be incredible. So got that coming up. Spring bear is coming up. Uh, there was just a good podcast that I did with Clint Casper on the CNC hunt files. Uh, you can go check it out. It, uh, kind of recaps my 20. 2022 season and then also we get talking about spring bear uh both with the rifle and spot and stock with a bow so made for a good conversation you can go check that out it's at uh working class bow hunters podcast feed and with that man just um living life to the fullest enjoying this house here and then um shooting and uh, man been down to the river Fishing quite a bit, which um, had some great adventures down there. It's been really fun to get back to normal life, hanging with my family and um, getting my mind right after all that work and um, taking care of some stuff through Barney Construction. We're still trying to wrap up a couple of these projects here, so um, keep working away on that. And uh, man, all good on my side. Uh, uh, getting in runs, my body feels great, getting in workouts, so um, man, couldn't be better for me. I'm just... um. I'm pumped to have this opportunity to have this podcast that you guys relate to. And so, yeah, I just want to continually get you guys good recordings. I need to get in the habit of doing those solos once a month, too. Um, yeah, I, I like doing them, and um, I'm really to... I'm really able to get out my thoughts on the podcast and um, what I'm working on or um, uh, just thoughts about life or hunting or whatever the case is. So uh, I do need to record another one of those, and especially with Spring Bear coming up, I could sit down and record one where we kind of cover Spring Bear and things. And um, so I'll get better at getting those things out, and um, until then... Uh, you got this podcast to listen to, and um, we'll be right back at you next Thursday with a new one. So um, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate you. And um, with that, I'll check in with you next week.